This is Leaders Lens, the show that reveals what it really takes to become a great leader. I'm Jacob Espinoza, a Fortune 500 leadership consultant and director of career success at Workweek. Let's go. It used to be an eight to five factory type. You know, that all started in the Industrial Revolution with factories, the clocking in, clocking out, waiting for the bell to take your breaks, waiting for the bell to take your lunch. Well, that's not how we work anymore. And I believe there's a lot of positive that come with it. Again, when you trust your team members, that if they don't have a job where they have to answer to customers from eight to five during their time zone, then yeah, let them be creative and work at a time that they will be most productive. But we are here at the Leaders Lens virtual event. We're going to talk about harnessing the power of remote teams, specifically focused on effective communication strategies. And I'm just really grateful to have Amy Okachek Got the name right, pronunciation correct there. Now joining with us today, Amy is a speaker, writer, and the president and CEO of Alps Travel. We'll have a chance to to introduce her in a second, but a few housekeeping rules, just standard stuff. You know, we love the engagement. I think with any time you're at an event or listening to a, a webinar or a podcast, you always get out of it what you put into it. And what really helps us make sure that we are creating an an ROI positive use of time for everybody in this room is the engagement that we get in the chat. So if we're talking about something that's connecting with you, letting us know, you know, your thoughts, letting us know if it's resonating, it goes a long ways in just making sure that we're talking about things that are relevant to you and your work. Here's just a quick agenda, you know, introduce Amy. We'll talk about communication of truth. We'll set this to help you set the stage for effective communication. We'll have an opportunity for Q and A at the end. And we'd love for you to also, slides have got a little bit of out of order here, I apologize, but we'd love for you to use this link right here. This is an app called Slido. And what you can do is if you have a question throughout the chat, plug it into Slido, you have a chance to also upvote and downvote the questions that you feel are most relevant. And at the end, we'll try to get to all the questions, but we'll definitely start with the ones that have gotten the most upvotes. Those are the ones that we know are gonna be most relevant for this audience. But let's just introduce Amy really quick because she is absolutely a big deal. If you don't follow her on Twitter yet, you're missing out. This QR code right here will take you to her Twitter page. You're going to hit that follow button. She's just doing incredible work with Alpstra. And something that I love about her message is she often talks about overcoming perceived barriers and changing mindsets that produce just incredible results. And what are some of the mindset shifts, Amy, that you see leaders needing to take, needing to make rather, as they transition into leading remote teams? Well, I'm going to back up and answer the first half of your question first, if that's okay. I believe that leaders of today have to have a completely different mindset than leaders of the past. And there's a lot of reasons for in that. We could really get into the weeds with that. But in the past, leaders, you know, managers, they felt like they had to have all the answers and that everything was dependent upon them, that they were always right. So they had more of a closed mindset. And we hear all the time about open mindsets and growth mindsets. But truly, even though it's gotten to where it sounds cliche, it's absolutely necessary for leaders to be successful. They have to be open minded and listen to the perspectives of other people. The more diverse opinions and experiences you have on your team, the more successful your team's going to be. And then for me personally, I believe that we always have to continue growing. Look, we're in a day and age where technology is changing and transforming at the speed of light, literally. If you look at the graphs from the 1980s to today, it is a huge upsweep where, you know, for we're getting as much 
changes in new technology in a day that in the past we would get in 10 years. So that growth mindset happens to be there. But when you're talking about leading remote teams, probably the most important thing you can do is trust your employees. When they're in the office and you can see them, you can tell, you can just look at an employee and know that they're working or they're not working. And one of the things I hear a lot of people complain about is that Teams dot. So if you work with the Microsoft platform at your job and you have that little Teams that has a green, yellow, and red dot, well, just because that dot's not green doesn't mean that employee isn't working. There are a lot of things that they do other than move the mouse, right, or the, the keyboard. They could be plotting on a wall, which I did a lot when I worked in an office. I had a whiteboard and I would write up there. They could be speaking on the phone. They could be have printed something out and reading it. So the fear that employees fear around that little green dot is huge and it's a negative impact. So I believe the number one thing that leaders need to be mindful of is to trust their team members to do the job. I love it. And although we get straight into the value here. The shift in mentality, because I feel like there was a time where when you were the leader, if you had the most information, if you were the one that had the best ideas or the access to the most resources, but now we all got these, right? We all got our iPhones that have access to all the information in the world. So now we're kind of seeing this transition where leaders who are able to be compassionate and connect with people are really the leaders that are are excelling. And I think that's especially true. And it's a little bit tricky in how we do that when we transition into remote teams because we don't always have that face-to-face interaction. We don't have those like can't casual running into somebody and a chance to build rapport, which makes it so important that we are intentional with how we connect with our teams when we have those moments, but also creating systems and processes that allow us to stay in contact with our team consistently where we're not just looking for that dot on teams like you mentioned and really now I feel like I'm curious to hear your thoughts, but it's more about like the outcomes and the impact that they're having, less about how much time they're spending in the job. I mean, I couldn't agree more with you, Jacob. It used to be an eight to five factory type. You know, that all started in the industrial revolution with factories, the clocking in, clocking out, waiting for the bell to take your breaks, waiting for the bell to take your lunch. Well, that's not how we work anymore. And I believe there's a lot of positive that come with it. Again, when you trust your team members, that if they don't have a job where they have to answer to customers from eight to five during their time zone, then yeah, let them be creative and work at a time that they will be most productive. There are some people who are productive early in the morning. There are some people who get more creative energy late in the evening. And I know some people who are the most productive at 2 a.m. So if we're putting them inside of this eight to five window, we're really not doing them or our team or our company justice. I feel like another big transition that we are seeing leaders make is moving into more of a coaching mindset, which really requires that we are become really effective at asking questions. What are some yeah. tips and tactics that you're giving to the leaders that you're, you're working with and how to act effective questions as they're leading a team? Well, it's interesting that you ask about coaching because my view of coaching has recently taken a dramatic shift. I'm actually becoming ICF certified. So that means that I'm going to literally be a certified international coach. So I've taught and spoken on coaching for a long time. And I've even been a big, big advocate of coaching by asking questions. And, and I would always say, ask people questions to get them to the solutions that you want them to have, basically. 
Well, now that I'm a part of the ICF, I view coaching completely different. And it is truly more of helping them dig the information out of themselves and come up with the best possible answers to make them effective and more successful. I love it. How does that impact the relationship and how the your employee or team member sees themselves when you take this approach? Like what are some of the benefits of making that shift? How many times can I say trust in one podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I saw it's a leadership podcast. We should be talking about trust all the time. So it's it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So one of the things it's going to do is it's going to help them trust themselves and trust you as a leader. If somebody's always telling me what to do and I make a mistake by following their directions, I'm not going to trust that person anymore. Right. If you help me come up with the answers that are inside of me by asking me questions, asking me open ended questions that start with the word what more often than why. And why is that? Well, what does why do a lot of times? If somebody asks you why, how do you feel? If you're like most people, you'll say, well, we get a little defensive. If somebody asks me why I feel a certain way, I feel like I have to defend my stance. But if I can ask the same exact question by starting with what and say something like, what is it about that that you like? Now I don't have to defend my stance. I'm more explaining my reasoning behind liking it. I love that because why it almost comes across more of as an accusation, right? Where the what question is more about being curious and, and wanting an understanding. And one question I, I love, and I'm sure you probably are familiar with this as well, but just starting the, the conversation off with what's on your mind and letting your employee really tell you what's important to them, which I think is a better question than something like, you know, what's like, what do you have planned for this weekend? Which we, we often ask because we want to like build rapport and have a, a friendly relationship. But I think the the what's on your mind question really allows your your teammate to tell you what's important to them and make that the priority to, to start the conversation off. Yeah. One of the things that I often start those conversations off with is what would you like to focus on today? Kind of the same thing. So what are some other questions that are the people on this call listening to the podcast can can kind of put in their toolkit that'll help them at lead an effective coaching or one on one conversation? Uh, what would you like to focus on? How can I help you? What tools do you need to successfully complete this job? What do you need from me? I like the WWW tool. I call it the WWW tool. And you can probably hear my Southern accent when I say W, but it's who is taking what action by when? That's yes. one of the questions that help us stay committed. So who, if, if it's me, I'm the who, Amy is taking what action? So Amy is going to call Mr. Smith when by tomorrow at 5 p.m. And that is something that holds everybody accountable, but it also gives you a commitment, a firm commitment of what I'm going to do the next right step towards what I'm trying to accomplish. I love it. I do want to, to remind the, the audience, use that that Slido link. We'd love to see questions pop up that we can answer as we, we re recap this conversation later. But another important component, I think especially important if we're in a, a remote or hybrid work environment, that's clarifying and summarizing. What can leaders be doing to do this well? Yeah, clarifying and summarizing, that's always important. A lot of times, you know, they say communication is less about the words we use, more about body language, tone, facial expressions, inflection, and all of that. So uh, especially when we're communicating with people remotely, it's important that we clarify. And I do this a lot of times when I'm with people and doing training or something like that, corporate training events. And when I ask them a question and they answer, I will repeat back to them what they said, but I don't use the same exact words. I use my words 
to make sure that what they said was the message they intended and that I'm understanding it. So to clarify and summarizing, you might say something like, so what you're saying is, or what I hear you saying is, and just restate what they're saying using your own vernacular, right? So your own lexicon, allowing and making sure the meaning is the same. I've had it happen many times and unintentionally where I said, so if I understand what you're saying correctly and then repeat it and they come back and say, oh, no, 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 that's not what I meant at all. That gives us an opportunity to clarify, make sure I'm hearing what they say so that I'm responding appropriately. Which allows us to make sure we're solving the right problems. Because if we're misinterpreting what they're saying, we might take what they need from us a completely different direction. But just taking that moment to clarify that you're on the same page, you're aligned will ensure that the next actions you take are actually being helpful and shows them that you listen, right? Because a big part of that conversation is what you do afterwards. And if you're taking steps that they don't really have context or they might under not understand why you're taking, well, often it's because there's a misunderstanding during the conversation itself. A lot of times, yeah, I think it's also ownership. So when you go back to being a leader and giving commands rather than helping people find their solutions, then they're going to buck the system. And you'll see people start to buck them system. But one of the great thing about coaching, like we talked about a minute ago, is when I come with the answers myself, then I'm going to be all on board with doing whatever action was decided. Rather than if you tell me what to do, then I'm like, get disgruntled. I see that happen a lot. And it shows people how much we value them, right? When we're going to them, we're asking them questions. We want their ideas as we're moving projects forward. They just feel so much value, which makes it easier when it's time to give that person feedback. And they don't feel like every conversation we have with them is critical. They have this like bigger scope of the relationship or the, all these data points where we have shown that we value them, we support them, we're building on their strengths, which makes them much more open when it's time to actually deliver that feedback. For sure. Right. And if you're giving feedback and not coaching and clarifying and summarizing and listening along the way, and you're waiting to the end of the year to get feedback, you're doing it wrong. So let's look at the uh, the next piece, which is different in remote as well. Like all of these things are really pointing out how the same action is different remote compared to being face-to-face and working in an office, but being present, being in the moment. We have that one-on-one conversation with somebody. And this is something I'll be transparent. I struggle with often because like I'm getting notifications on my phone while I'm trying to have a one-on-one. And sometimes like especially if it's like, like right now I'm buying a house. And so I have like notifications, like you need to sign this document. So I'm kind of like seeing that with my side view when it's popping up on my phone, but it interrupts the flow of the conversation, right? So what are some tactics that you have to help leaders be present and why is it important? Well, first of all, you really do have to clear your mind before you even join a meeting. If you're say on Zooming or something like we are. So some of the things you can do is beforehand, go ahead and take care of yourself. Go ahead and go to the restroom, get your water, Turn off your notifications on your phone. I usually always close my Outlook, right? So my email, shut it down, turn my phone off or on silent, have my sheet of paper and have some thoughts written down so that I've taken care of everything around me and I can be fully engaged and fully present at that moment. You know, what's really interesting is the fact of the matter is, Jacob, we can't be fully present for an extended period of time. We are human beings, but we can set up ourselves to be more successfully or more successfully be fully present if we take care of ourselves before we start the conversation. I love that takeaway. And I want to make sure people don't miss this, but a lot of your ability to be present is going to be what happens before the conversation 
It's going to be based on how well you slept the night before. It's going to be based on did you do the things in the morning that you know you need to do to be at your best, right? Taking and even like throughout the day, making times to take quick breaks just to focus on your breathing, listen to music, reset, like whatever it might be for you, just having the self-awareness and the discipline to do those things consistently so you can be there for your team. That's a big deal. Can I add something to that too? Please. Yeah. So Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And you know how I feel about this. If we're setting ourselves up for back-to-back-to-back meetings with no break in between, that's not taking care of ourselves. And if we expect the people on our team to show up for back-to-back-to-back meetings, we're not taking care of them and we're not setting a good example. So um, I would be very mindful about when and how often and kind of strategically place those video conference meetings throughout the day. I think the root of that is taking the time to define what are the priorities. What are the priorities this week? What are your big rocks for the quarter, for the month, for the week? Are there things on your calendar that are, of course, important, but maybe not the most important things that we can just push off a little bit, make sure that they stay on the calendar, reschedule them, don't cancel them. But if we just say yes to everything, we're saying no to to everything at at the same time, and we're not going to have time to be at our best when our team and ourselves need us to be at our best. So. I love that, Amy. Thank you for that. Yeah. Clarity is a big part. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier in clarifying and summarizing. But when we think about the end of the meeting, whether it's a one-on-one or it's a team meeting, a big mistake and a habit I see people falling into is assuming that everybody understands what they're supposed to be doing, even though there's been a lot of conversation, there's been back and forth. What's a tactic that can help prevent that to ensure that people are clear on the expectations at the end of the meeting? I would say go back and use that WWW tool. Who's taking what action by when? Make sure everyone's on the same page. Make sure you know what my commitments are. I know what your commitments are. We know what each other's next steps are. And we're documenting that. I'm going to tell you something around clarity. When I first married my husband, and look, he is a Texas redneck. I'm married to a country boy through and through. He told me point blank, Amy, if you want me to do something, you got to tell me. If you want me to sit in that chair right there, tell me, hey, Larry, sit in that chair right there. He said, I don't take hints. You can't speak around the bush or whatever. You know, you got to tell me exactly what you want. And it got me thinking because we've been married for several years now. And it got me thinking, how often do people do that at work and life and everything where we kind of make suggestions? And one that I've used is somebody might say, you know, sure would be nice if we could go out to eat tonight. That's not direct. Instead, it's direct by saying, you know what? I'd like to go out to eat tonight. Would you like to go with me? Okay. That's another way of being assertive. So I completely believe that assertiveness and aggression are on completely different scales. They're not the same thing at all. It's not necessarily a good thing to be assertive. I mean, aggressive, but we absolutely have to be assertive. We want to assert ourselves. And part of clarity is speaking up for yourself, assert your needs, assert what you need to happen or what needs to be taken care of and speak it. Talking in cliches and talking, speaking around the bush and, you know, him hawing around your needs basically is not clarity. Yes, I love that. And it makes me think of Kim Scott's approach to radical candor, where people aren't going to be upset or feel hurt if you're direct with them, if they also know that you care about them right? When they know that you care about them, you're coming from a place where I want this to happen because it's for the good of the team, it's for the good of you personally, I am invested in your success. That person is not going to be upset that you're clear. And in general, when you're working with people that are high performers, 
they want to make sure everybody's on the same page because they value their time. They value their effort. They want to make sure that their effort isn't be, being used in a way that's wasted. So I love that. And sometimes it's just being diligent at the end of the meeting to clarify. All right, let's just clarify who's going to do what by when. I love that WWW framework. I actually shouted that out in my newsletter this morning. So we're definitely on the same wavelength there. Amy. Awesome. <laughs> but just making sure it's clear who's doing what task, when is it expected to be due? And then you called it out also, which I love, and then documenting it. And I think it's a good best practice to get and organize your notes in a way that everybody has access to the documents so they know where to find them. And hopefully everybody's saving their notes in the same place, whether it's a one-on-one -on -one or it's a team meeting, they can go back and look at last week's meeting notes, the week before that, last week's one-on-one -on -one notes, the week before that. So if they ever do forget, because people are people, we have a lot of things that come up, they can go back and get that refresher and they don't have to ask you for it. They just know how to get find it themselves. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Leading remote teams. We have a few questions that we want to work through as well. So thank you everybody for being so gracious and sharing those. But Amy, any other best practices in the world of leading remote teams that you wanted to talk through, but we just haven't made time for yet? You know, it is like a very different thing than leading teams face to face. I know that when you see people on a regular basis, it's easy to encourage them and passing when people are remote and they're not in your face every day, we may begin to see them somewhat like a computer instead of a real person. So it's important to remember that even if you don't see these people maybe once a year, if ever, some teams never see their teammates because they li live so far apart, that that is a person on the other end of the phone or the computer screen with real feelings. And you said a word earlier that I completely agree with, and that's empathy. So I believe that we need to be empathetic and know that that's a human being, but human beings also need to be encouraged. And then finally, I would say, Jacob, authenticity is probably one of the most important things. When we're talking about asking questions, whether it be for clarifying or summarizing or coaching or any other reason, we might be asking questions, even if it's to gather information, people know whether you're asking questions just to get more information or whether you're asking questions because you really do care about the person or care about what they have to say. And so being authentic and being empathetic will go a long way when working with teams who are remote. All right, let's, let's transition to a few of these questions. So one, how many touch points do you recommend having with direct reports to ensure effective communication without overloading them? I have thoughts, but I'll let you go first if you have, have some ideas there. Yeah, I have thoughts too. I believe that a minimum of once a week with a Zoom type call, minimum, I believe that there are different modes of communication. So you have email, you have what Slack or Teams, text messages, and different teams use different modes of communication. I believe that at least once a day, we want to communicate in some way with them. That does not mean a long, huge, formal email at all. It could be a simple IM if they're on our immediate team, right? So at least once a day, but a phone call or a Zoom meeting at least once a week. I completely agree. And I think the step that's important to take is have a template of what you're going to talk through each week. Ask them to put the thought into filling it out each week as well. And it's probably as simple as like, what are two things you need from me as your manager? What are your top two priorities for the week? What obstacles are in your way? What are you most excited about? Like, those types of questions, but have them just put some thought into it, maybe even actually fill the sheet out before the one-on-one -on -one 
Because I feel like when people get burnt out with the one-on-ones is they feel like they're a waste of time because there isn't structure. They're just kind of like hanging out for 30 minutes, which is fine. And maybe there's a point for that, but it's probably not your weekly one-on-one is not going to be the best use of that time. So just giving it some structure. And if you have people that are more introverted on your team, they're really going to appreciate having that time to, to think through and be prepared and just knowing what to expect in that conversation. So good question there, but I completely agree with you, Amy. Once a week, I think is a great cadence for that scheduled call, but you'll find other touch points throughout the week. Here's another one. How do you find balance between written communication and in-person communication? Or maybe the in-person could also potentially be like a Zoom call. What guidance do you give on where to do each? So again, email's more formal, I believe. It means that I need a formal reply. But as far as uh, just regular communication, I mean, the Slack is a great way. I, mean, I think Slack is great for interpersonal, for building the team spirit, right? So you have all the different channels. And, you know, I've been members of teams where we had, you know, funny dog memes or whatever. So building some kind of teamwork framework. But the challenge is making sure you're doing the right thing for the team because every team's going to be different and every team's going to have different needs. And so to, you know, you kind of see me struggling with this answer because there's not really a one size fits all approach. I've seen mm-hmm. some things work at one company and other things work at a different company and they're complete opposites. Actually, two different companies I spoke at last week had two different ways of communicating with their teams. This one company has a text thread that they, every question they have at all, they send it to their team thread. And to me, that's kind of overload because it's way too much information for me. That sounds like a nightmare, like a literal nightmare, but it's not like it's working for them. But it works for them, right? So they're in a very technical role. So they do a lot of technical stuff and who knows who has the right information. So they send it out to everyone. This other team over here uses, like I mentioned earlier, Slack, and they have very specific subgroups that everybody can be a part of. So I think it truly just depends. That's a great one. And then somebody asked, and we'll just keep these questions bumping so we can keep it moving. What is the WWW task sheet? So the WWW is, is a framework and it's answering the question, who is going to do what by when? So if you're ever delegating or you need clarity on a project, just taking the time to make sure that for each task on the project, there's clarity on who is going to do what by when. So it's more of a framework than an actual task sheet, but it might be something you actually will put and at the end of a meeting agenda just to make sure there's clarity in the action item. So great question. I appreciate the clarification there. Anything you add to that one, Amy? You got it. That's it. Perfect. So another question, somebody wrote, I find it hard for my team to want to get together in a virtual call to connect. Do you have any advice on how to engage teams bonding remotely? Yeah. So I've done a lot of teaching around remote meetings. And number one, Jacob already said it, have an agenda for sure. The second thing I would say is same day, same time every week. Okay. So that's kind of the structure of it. But then to bring engagement around, there's something I call round robin. And so some people know that terminology, some people don't, but I have round robin opportunities sometimes, which basically means I might ask a question or we might have a topic and everybody on the team has, say, two or three minutes to speak on that topic. That's one example. Another example of round robin might be everybody goes around and talks about their wins for the week or their challenges or everybody asks a question. But round robin is where everyone on the team has a certain amount of time to speak and contribute to the meeting. A second thing is 
as the leader, you should not always be the one facilitating the conversations. There are times when a leader has to facilitate the conversation and give announcements and kudos and, you know, updates from the company. But a best practice is to allow different members of the team to facilitate parts of the conversation. And then again, something Jacob spoke to earlier was have that agenda and a place where everybody has access to it and can see it and can review it and allow them to make changes or additions, not really changes, but allow them to make additions to the agenda to cover topics that are important for them. That's awesome. I, I love that. Those are great, great tips. The only thing I would add is sometimes the symptoms are the same, but the root cause is much different. So it potentially could mean that you have a bunch of people that are just more introverted and they don't really enjoy the public setting. It could mean that there's conflict on your team and that people don't want to get together. And there's some work that needs to be done to, to kind of rebuild trust on the team. But if, if you're having this issue, it, it might be worth just adding this as a note in your next one-on-ones with your team and just getting some feedback from them and just letting them know, okay, like I've noticed the team doesn't really like getting together. Like, is there something behind that? Because there are times we need to get together and collaborate and I feel like you know there might be something in the way and just ask people. And a lot of times when we just take the time to ask, people will be honest with us unless there's distrust with actual you as the manager. And then you might need to bring in a third party to kind of help support and, and get to help you get to the root cause a little bit if it's gotten to that place. But I, I would start just by asking. If you're noticing something that seems off, just take the time to you know meet people at an individual at a team level and ask and listen and be more curious as opposed to critical in those conversations. Love it. Some great questions here. I really appreciate this audience being so engaged. My team is really diverse, many different personalities. Any advice on how to engage with different employees to nail comms with each one of them individually? Do you want to give this you a good start? You want me to take it? I can, uh, I'll get it kickstarted, I suppose. I'd love to hear your add-ons. So something that I would recommend is it might be worth just having them just talking through a worksheet with them on how they like to be communicated with, how they like to be recognized so you have some perspective, but also making sure you're intentional on recognizing each individual's strengths or recognizing the things that they bring to the table that provides unique value to the team, I think is a great start. So first, again, just asking them, how do you like feedback? How, what kind of communication do you prefer? And making it a priority to recognize their specific strengths. I think those three work pretty well in tandem and love to hear Amy's thoughts as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I believe that is probably one of the biggest challenges that managers face is having people with such a diverse set of personalities and temperaments. So the more we learn about psychology, human behavior, and different personalities, whether you subscribe to, you know, my company uses the Everything Disc or Myers-Briggs or any of those other ones, I'm going to tell you right now, my career skyrocketed when I learned about personalities and truly began to be able to communicate or adjust the way that I communicate to the needs of the person I was talking to. Before, I got really frustrated with people who were different from me. Once I learned how to recognize and understand and appreciate those differences, I was able to then adjust my demeanor or my communication to their preferred style. So I absolutely love what Jacob, you said about just asking them point blank, right? And, and let them give that feedback. But it's also important that we get to know truly human behavior and psychology as leaders because it's a game changer. I love it. And I think that personality profiles and tests, they get a lot of criticism and some of it's valid, but there also is a ton of value. 
and just recognizing that people are different, they have different needs. So the more we can learn about different approaches to personalities and, and psychology, to your point, Amy, it's just going to make being successful as a leader so much easier. Yep. And then we have a one last question here. So I'm a manager and I'm very present. Others and the company owner are all over the place and take calls, emails, et cetera. I'm guessing this is like in the middle of meetings. How can we get everyone to be present? Do you have any guidance when you're working with a boss that I think this might be more specific to just giving feedback to a boss? Yeah, that's managing up, right? Mm-hmm. It's a kind of a difficult situation depending on the relationship you have with your boss. But again, it's assertiveness is a positive. And so if I were to speak up and tell them, hey, I don't feel like you value my time or you know, my time is not valuable to you, it's hard to do it, but it's a part of being assertive. It's part of respecting yourself and it's part of being an adult, right? I want people to respect my time, so I'm going to respect theirs in turn. If that boss is always on the phone when you're in meetings with them, their body language is telling you that they don't value you or your time. So I would speak up, be assertive and have a conversation one-on-one, not in front of your colleagues. 100%. That's phenomenal advice. And there was another question that was more focused on working with people at different levels and within different departments within an organization. And I think something you always want to keep in mind is speaking their language, like understanding what's important to them and how this thing that you're giving them feedback on is impacting that result because you can't hold your boss accountable. And the reality is they might not change. They might just be like, that's just how it is. And like, you can't really do a ton about that, unfortunately, other than look for another place to work. But if you take the time to to think of how can I actually influence this person's decision, starting with what's important to them is a great tactic. And that's something to think through with people on your team as well, and just having an influential conversation. I'll give you an example of, of a bad boss if I can. Please do. Please. Bad boss stories are always fun. A bad boss story. I had a boss who was screaming at me one day, and I believe that we teach people how to treat them, right? This was years ago. I believe we teach people how to treat him. So I stood up and I said, I'm happy to continue this conversation when you're more calm. And I turned around and walked out. He followed me out of his office, yelling and screaming and chasing out, chasing after me in front of all my colleagues. I went back to my office and shut the door. And now he's the one with the power. So he did take me off of a committee that I was on. But very soon after that, I made a career change. But, you know, he was my boss, but that does not give him a right to verbally abuse me. So teaching them how to treat us. And my way of doing that was I'm happy to continue this conversation when you're, you know, in a better emotional place. It's a tough place to be in. But I believe in the past, people just had to take that abuse. And today we don't have to anymore. Thank goodness. Most of us don't. Absolutely. There's so many more options available if we feel like we're not being being treated well and respected or some, in some cases getting the development that we need, right? To continue growing our careers. So Amy, I appreciate you so much. And I'll be honest, I had no idea that Amy was going to be at the beach when she agreed <laughs> to being part of this event. So Amy, we appreciate you so much. If you don't already follow Amy on Twitter, please follow her. Give her a public thank you for being part of it because I'm super gracious. I know she's dying to, to be at the beach here right right now, probably drinking <laughs> drinking something tasty. So we appreciate you being here, Amy. To take a time to, to shout her out on Twitter goes a long ways. And my async course just launched. You can see the, the information in the chat. We are. I want this to be accessible for everybody. I mean, this is definitely packed in value. You're going to get a ton of templates and helping you understand 
how to communicate effectively with your team, how to run one-on-ones and team meetings, how to shift your mindset in order to have an effective conversation. The pre-sale is only $50. So you really want this to be accessible. Today is the last day for the pre-sale as well. I think a few people in this group already have purchased it. So I really appreciate that. But if you haven't yet, you can use this QR code or the link is in the comments. And I'll say this, if you purchase it, you decide it's not worth the $50, let me know that you're in this virtual event and we will get you a refund. I really want people to be able to take advantage of that. So if you purchase it and you start going through it this week, so in the next seven days, you decide this really wasn't worth my $50 investment, let me know. I will gladly get you a refund. I would I would hate for that to be a reason that you don't don't enjoy this. But Amy, thank you so much for being here. I'll hang out for a little bit if anybody had any lingering questions, but otherwise, enjoy the rest of your week. Amy, enjoy the beach. We appreciate you all being part of the Leaders on this community. Thanks, Chicken. Thank you for listening to the show. Don't miss another episode of Leaders Lens and the inside scoop on becoming a great leader. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you love Leaders Lens, please tell a friend.